This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Quick word before we get into today's show. I wanted to say thanks to Album Surfboards. Um, They hosted this recording of the podcast, and they're not even open today. Today is a Sunday, yet Shiloh came down, opened the doors, did some work behind the scenes while Chaz and I recorded this episode. We got super distracted real quick into the episode, forgot to acknowledge Album, but albumsurf.com is where you can find their work. And you've seen Josh Kerr writing their boards recently, and uh, you've seen their boards all over the internet. And I know listeners have given us great feedback on the boards too. So thank you, Matt Parker and Album and Nate and Shiloh and everybody there. We really appreciate you guys hosting and supporting this show. All right, thanks guys, bye. No, real quick, no, dude, don't threaten me when we're talking about this stuff. I will fuck you up, Ashton. Don't say one more thing about that. Just shut your mouth right now, Ashton. I'm warning you. That's your, this is your last warning. Don't talk about me, dude. No, seriously. Oh, hey, guys. Okay, hey, guys. Good to see you. We're, we're already recording. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Is that okay? So excited. Nothing we need to discuss off air? No, there's nothing. The, um, our lives are open books, I feel. Well, should we discuss who the third person in this room is, if this is an open book? Is that your cock? That is my damn dog. Your dog? Yeah, it's a full family. It's a full family affair today. You got the dog? We got the dog outside? in the car, yep. No the way. The dog in the car, and the it was bring your bring your kid to work day today. Do you want to see if the shop will accommodate the dog? Downstairs? Oh, I don't care. That dog can sit in the car. Bad um, dog. You have the heater on in there? In the I do. I have the windows all the way up and the heater just okay. cranking. Okay. So, yeah. I would expect nothing less from you. Yep. Hopefully the dog will be... No more by the time we get out to the car. Well, this shows a level of commitment to a pot to the podcast that I did not expect from you. Oh yeah, it's, or from anybody. I, I was I was too excited. I, I couldn't have turned it down. I mean, it's been too long. A, but B, we have a lot to talk about. There's a million things going on surfing. You and I have not seen each other in a bit. You can't hear. All right, handle here. that. Is that better? You get it? Okay. All right, perfect. Just a no. little. Dang it! Dang it! Just, oh, we need a new cord here. Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just needs a little wiggle of the cord. Oh, That's man. It. The cord wiggling is what I've become really good at. Um, Dude, so. Uh-oh. Hold on. <laughs> you've been... Cord got too wiggled. Okay. Um, We wanted to get Maurice Cole on. Oh, I know. I was really... We, we Ships in the night. I he know. left last evening, I think. And I was emailing with him. And 
yeah, this yeah. is the earliest I could do it. So he was only here for a week or two, and then you were on book tour, and then I went to Texas for I'm, a surf trip, which is the thing I want to talk about first and Let's foremost. Let's I'll get... give you the whole rundown. Okay, so it's, let me adjust these shades real quick. Yeah. You fucking dog. Hey. What's her name? Thunder. Thunder. Thunderstruck. Thunder. Um, all right, so now we got a fourth person in the studio. Thunder. Thunder's going to mess with the cord over there. The, thund- gonna... the whole thing is going to fall apart, this delicately balanced thing. But okay, let's get Does back to Waco. Thunder eat, eat potato chips, too? Th- thunder will eat potato chips. Um, there we go. Okay, dude, you've encountered the generosity, kindness, and all that of our listenership. Yes. This entire Texas surf trip came through listenership. Amazing. Scott and I were talking about, he did a trip to Waco, um, to BSR Cable Park, obviously, to surf that wave. And we were talking about it on our last podcast. The next day, I get an uh, email from a listener, and he goes, dude, I know this is super weird, but I'm doing a trip with a bunch of guys to Waco or to Texas next week, and one guy just dropped out, so we have a free space open. Like a roadie. I mean, and they were, they, you drove to Waco? No. Okay. No, 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 no. Everybody's flying in from different places. Okay. But he's like, we have... We reserved pool time for five people, accommodations for five, all that sort of stuff. And one guy dropped out. So if you can clear your schedule and just get there, the trip's already figured out. And I'm like, before I even replied to his email, I started looking at flights, started looking at my schedule, see if I could pull it off. Because realistically, out of Southern California, it's a two and a half hour flight. Yep. It's easy to do. In and out. Where do you, do you fly into Waco? Um, no. So the nearest, there's equivalently distant or far apart airports. Austin's two hours. Dallas is two hours. Okay. And Dallas, there's multiple airports. Yep. So a lot more flight options in Dallas, but we were going to do Enland Surf Park as well, which is Austin. So we flew into Austin, flew out of Dallas. So I made it, ultimately I made it happen and I went kind of concerned, like a little bit of trepidation going, I don't know these guys. I've never met these guys, but the guy who emailed me, he and I have emailed over the years. So I felt a certain familiarity. Um, couldn't have gone better. Yeah, they were like they're all mid thirties, similar age as me. Like professionals, they have life responsibilities. Nobody's trying to get super drunk at night and bang the bartender or anything like crazy. It was just all super, and they're all avid surfers, so they could um, we could all hang together. You where, know? where were they from? Were they California or most of them are South Bay? Okay, yeah. So, um. It was, first of all, just that aspect of it, the fan kind of engagement, listener engagement thing is such a rad community. And this validated saying yes to everything. I mean, complete. I mean, no, I, I feel it everywhere I go now, people people bring up the, the podcast. Isn't so it? it's, it's rad, right? It's totally epic. No, I love it. I absolutely love it for that, for the, for the levels of, yeah, exactly, connectivity. I've had versions of it. But this is the first time I went on a surf trip with listeners. Totally, you know what I totally. Mean? So, um, it, but it did validate what I just said, which is kind of like, I generally, first of all, shy away from social interaction. Secondly, don't take every opportunity that's given because I don't know why, but this, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, we had such a blast. These guys are super cool. I'd love it if we remain friends, you know? Um, anyways, I want to tell you about the waves. That's what I need. I need, so you did both and Linda and wait, so now you've ridden all three of existing wave pool technologies. And I'm going to surf ranch. Wednesday. And you've already surfed it once. Already surfed. So we've got Surf Ranch, Waco, and Enland. Yeah. 
Okay, so so give me first Waco. I'm so I'm dying to know about Waco. To be Waco's honest, Waco's freaking amazing. Like fun, fun, fun. The fun. most fun I've had since Surf Ranch, probably. So you're out there in the water with the guys. Do you is is the situation similar to Surf Ranch where you line up along a fence or no. something? It's a well, first... it, it's similar, but uh, in that there's a priority system and that it's all very organized. Sure, but it's not the same in that there's no fence. So it's basically a cement wall. And the pool's like a half moon shape around the wall. You've probably seen it. And it just sends out this pulse. I don't know actually what the technology, I need to research the tech a little bit more. But um, Shane Magnuson, who's their resident pro, was saying there's like 24 chambers basically in the pool that shoot air. So it creates this pulse. And depending on which program they're running, there's one wave in a set or three waves in a set. So they limit the pool time to nine people or I think it's nine people. And you're in groups of three. Like Enland, is there like different sections, like the beginner section, the intermediate section, and the advanced section? Or is it just all one It's thing? all one wave. Okay. But they can program the beginner wave, the intermediate wave, or the expert. Okay, wave. so you surf with experts or with beginners or with intermediates. Yeah. yeah. And the, theoretically, you're in the pool. With... In theory. And the, the surfer needs to, they sign up for the appropriate session. Okay. But like the we did an expert session, and there was a guy who couldn't even catch any waves. Is so it... he thought he was an expert in the ocean. He was actually from Colorado, but he thought he was an expert surfer and then quickly figured out he couldn't even catch a wave. So he should have done the beginner session. Was it was it difficult to catch waves? It's different than the ocean. It is once you figure it out, it's not difficult. Is it a, it seems the clips I've seen like it's a real a quick reaction time, like you got to kind of spin and pop or No spin. You can't even look at whereas in the ocean you're looking out at the ocean and then you do spin. This you're looking the way that you're going to be paddling okay, the whole time. Because it's surf- looking over your shoulder back at the wave. Because at Surf Ranch, too, you face, I mean, theoretically out in the ocean, you're facing where the wave is being right. generated, and then you turn around and paddle as you start to see it getting closer. So this, you're facing towards the the, the, beach. the beach the entire time. Yeah. Is it hard to, to look over your shoulder and... My neck is cricked at this point. Yeah. Like, honestly, after two days of doing it, we all commented on that, too. We're like, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're close to the wall, so you're just... And every the two people behind you, again, three people in your grouping. And if it's a three-wave set, you each get a wave, and then the next group comes out. And so the two people who are behind you, you're looking over your shoulder at them, and there's only three feet between you and the wall, so they're kind of blocking your view of the wave. But once this water starts moving, you can definitely see it coming. It pops up almost out of nowhere, and it's like it gurgles up on itself, just like a double up. But once it actually takes form, it becomes a real wave. So that double gurgle thing, it would be as if like there was a rock ledge that you're sitting on. It does exactly that kind of thing. So is like how many paddle, how many good strong paddles before you catch it? Is it just like one, two, no. three up? Or is it just like one paddle and you're up? You would think that it's that. Yeah. But as it gets off of that gurgle and turns into an actual wave, you need to get like two, three more strokes. Okay. Then get to your feet and go. Is it, is it, does it feel uh, rolling-ish or is it, is it like a ledgy drop? Dip, it depends on which wave they program. Okay. So, um, the one that is actually a wedgie barrel is actually a roll in to start, and then the thing, but you backdoor the section. Okay. So it's actually the easiest wave to take off on. Fully like crumble lip, stand up, easy roll in, like a beginner wave, and you look to the right, and there's a TP coming just straight at you. It's how, how much fun is that? Amazing. Yeah. It's, it could not be easier. Just this TP growing, and you're like, oh, okay. And you just stall and get right in the thing. 
you still have to figure out how to ride it. Sure. Because even waves like that in the ocean take a little bit of, of getting course. used to. Yeah, backdooring, backdooring barrels anywhere, in my experience, is not as easy as, as you would think it was. Well, you want to hug and you stay kind of mid-face like you would on just a normal barrel, but it's the wrong approach. You want low road. Get as low as possible and actually face your board to the beach. Okay. Because it always sucks you up the face. So if you're facing kind of at the beach and it starts dragging you into the like up the face you're now angled to make the exit okay perfect but once again all of this is a learning curve so you do it once you go oh you get lipped in the head i mean is there is there like a lot of a lot of getting lipped and stuff or i got sucked over the falls like i the first one i think i outran because i got up and pumped yeah and then it started doing the tp and now i'm stalling and i never quite got in it and I'm I'm sorry I have so no, many questions here, but I'm just I'm dying. Is there there's no like Raymana character in the pool, right? There's nobody on a jet ski screaming go 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 or anything like that. There's nobody screaming at you. There is a lifeguard in the pool who can surf, and he's just kind of keeping order in the but lineup. It, but he's not on a ski. He's not on a ski. He's on a soft top, and he's not telling you anything unless you need to hear something. Okay. And it's mostly just uh, coaching, helpful coaching. So so you were sitting with your new South Bay friends out there, like mm-hmm. all all five of you in the water at a time. So. If you do the public sessions, mm-hmm. they're 60 bucks or 90 bucks, I think, depending on the wave. Beginner wave, intermediate wave, expert wave. And um, there's nine people in the pool. To- they limit it. Again, I don't know if it was nine or 12. I forget. They limit it to that number, and you're in groups of three. Okay. And you just dictate your own groups. Sure. And then somebody misses a wave, and the groups kind of shift because now he's in line, and somebody else is still paddling out. It's all very copacetic because you get plenty of waves. So that's what, okay. That was my next plenty question. Plenty of waves. So in your hour session, how many waves did you did you surf? Twenty. Twenty waves? 20. Are you kidding me? Okay. So these three wave pulse sets happen every forty five seconds. Whoa. So you only have enough time to get your wave paddle to the back of the line and now there's like two more groups that so are you're still- like you're like totally exhausted by the time you're done with your hour totally like your arms are gonna fall off your legs are jelly i got home last night at nine o'clock so 12 hours ago and surfed out completely on a two-day surf trip feel like i was gone for a week i feel i'm too excited about this but it but it feels like this waco pool is the pool right it's so playful yeah it's so like, playful so okay now let's go to Enlin first. Wait, before no, no, we, no. I've still got plenty. To okay, say okay, good. So um, the problem with Slater's pool, right, is that it's a such a finite resource sure. that all the anxiety of getting that wave strips away whatever fun you would normally have on the wave, yep. and it also makes you more liable to fall. It makes you tentative to do a turn. It makes you everything. You just have all this energy in your body that you're not used to, so you can't just surf. This Waco pool, because you're getting so many waves, it strips a lot of that away. If you fall, it's no big deal. You get up and you get another one within a minute. It also, there's a lot more uh, variation in the wave. Even if it's the same program that they're running, the waves are slightly different. How do they they dampen the water? How are they able to run it for- Like in that minute or 45 seconds in between, it naturally dampens. There is a trough like Slater's pool. um, So that helps dampen it. But it's actually good that it doesn't fully dampen because like the ocean- There's like a little chop in the water and stuff. But in the ocean, once you're up and riding, you're completely reliant on muscle memory, on instinct. You're making decisions on the fly, which I've never considered this until now. I've surfed in three different pools. That is- the most um that is what surfing is sure. it's making those decisions on the fly and in the waco pool you re, re kind of resort back to that 
which means you feel more comfortable. It means now you're surfing like you're in the ocean. And, uh, rather than in Slater's pool, you're thinking about it in advance and all that thought throws you off your game. This, it's like, F it. I'm just gonna get to my feet and figure it out. Well, that's what you do. And then all of a sudden you hit two or three sections, pull into a tube and you're like, oh, figuring out, I know how to figure it out. I have all the muscle memory and instinct to figure it out. I never relied on it in Kelly's pool. That sounds so exciting to me. Yeah. I really, really am very excited to go surf in Waco. Yeah, we were. I never, hyped. I never thought. So, again, beginner, intermediate, expert. Yeah. These guys. So the great thing about these guys who I went with is they're meticulous planners. So they had it all figured out in advance. They they structure the trip. Let's do inland first because it's a beginner wave. Shake out all the jitters in the beginner pool because who cares if just getting comfortable in the pool requires an hour. Sure. So we got that hour out of the way there. Went to Waco, same day, had an afternoon session in Waco, the intermediate session. Then the following morning, had a private session for an hour and then the expert level. Okay. Now, the intermediate wave is better than the expert wave. The expert wave's like too dumpy and it's not like, oh, it's too expert and I couldn't handle it. It's just, you can't really place a turn anywhere. I mean, is the whole thing just for the expert wave to either get barreled or, or shoot an air? I it's mean, is not that even, the... It's not ideal for either of those things. Okay. It doesn't fully barrel. Like if you look at it, you're like, oh, that's a barrel. But the, the way that it kind of does it, it's not really a proper barrel. So you're either going for like a shampoo barrel, which isn't proper, and there's no real air section on it. Okay. So it's, and it's hard to place turns. Whereas the intermediate wave is like lowers. Okay. It's like you can occasionally a barrel pops up. Occasionally you could smash a lip. There's an air section at the end, but they have plenty of different programs in this machine. And if you book the private session, you tell Shane what you want. Is Shane up there in the booth pushing yeah. buttons? Yeah. That's amazing. Not the entire day, but for the private session, he is. That is totally. So he, Shane has moved to Waco. Yep. He Shane moved his wife to Waco and a kid six months ago. He's Epic. been there for six months and he's loving it. Just like in heaven. Yeah. Okay. So is Enland even worth talking about? I mean, or is it just what you think it is? So Enland is um, similar tech to Kelly's pool. It's the Wave Garden technology. So it's not the same technology as Kelly's, but it when you're sitting in the pool, the footprint of the pool itself, the machine, the way that the machine runs down the pool like a train is all very similar. When you're sitting in the pool next to five feet away from the fence and watching the wave come at you, it looks like Kelly's pool. Once you're up and riding, the wave sucks. The wave is super, it's almost not like surfing. We were in the car, I've never wakeboarded, but we're like, that was more akin to wakeboarding. Are you the, just like, are you just fighting to stay ahead of the thing the whole time? Like just pumping? It, and then if you, yes, but then, you're always too far ahead of it. Like even if you're just in front of the whitewash, it feels like you're way out on the flats. Okay. And then if you try to turn back into the, if you touch the whitewash for a second, the wave outruns you. Yeah, you're finished. So it's like a wave that moves fast, but has no energy in it. That's a real, that sounds like a real bummer. It is, yeah. But, but Enlin's doing okay, right? I mean, was it packed yeah. when you guys were there? They, a lot of- They book out every session every sure. day, but it, it's because there's a lot of beginner surfers and that's perfect for them. Which is amazing to me too, like perfect. I mean, if you're sitting there in, I guess, what is it, North Texas? What do you call that region, North? I don't know, it's West, Austin. North? I don't even look at the map. Yeah, but. wherever wherever, wherever <laughs> Austin is in the state of Texas. Uh, so if you're around there, it's pretty epic that you have like a beginner wave at Enland and then an expert wave at Waco. So you don't have to, yeah, neither one I would imagine would get overly crowded. Seems so like a fine resource to I have I interviewed there. people from Enland and Shane at Waco, and I'm going to do an episode dedicated just to all this stuff that's happening. But I talked to them about that, and I told them, I go, look, 
when Enlin opened, I was not going to do a trip to Texas just for Enlin. But once Waco opened, it now becomes an epicenter. It now becomes worth the trip. And they recognized that. They're like, look, it's early enough. I think every, and Shane said the same thing, by the way. Everybody's like, look, at this point in where we're at right now with Wavepool Tech, a rising tide raises all ships. Sure. And I always, I mentioned to somebody like the you, the car dealership analogy, which is, there's always a strip of dealerships. They plant one and then a bunch open around it because people take a Saturday and they go from one dealership to the next. It's the same exact thing. You know? Do you think, uh, in your mind now, after writing all three, A, do you think all three are viable technologies? I mean, do you think all three will see them in 10 years? Like yes. that there'll be Slater pools around, there will be uh, American Wave machine, machine pools around, which, which does the technology for Waco, and... Uh, wave gardens you think all three will be existent if everybody can figure out a business model then yes i don't i mean i still don't understand how in the world kelly's can work in any practical way especially especially if you have a waco that's not only funner or more fun but you get more waves i mean i don't know how you beat that well so as much as i just hyped the waco pool Kelly's wave is still better. I would rather surf Kelly's wave. But you'll never be able to surf. I mean, unless you're it's a, inaccessible. Unless you're a millionaire, you'll yeah. you will never be able to book or build your own. I mean, you could book out a day. What is it? 40, 40 grand for the day? Is I'm that not what sure. it's going? Forty or fifty grand, I think, is what they were at least auctioning days at Surf Ranch uh, at the um, whatever where the Waterman of the Year Award thing. Well, you could book Waco for twenty two thousand. The whole entire pool. The whole day, private. Okay, so let's say. Our working working theory is Kelly's is twice as uh, much to book out for a full day. Would you rather spend if you had the money? Would you rather spend fifty grand and book out Kelly's or twenty two grand and book out Waco? Again, if you have the money, then you would just do Kelly's. But if you if you but, but if I'm actually considering the cost, Waco. Yeah, all the way. I I, I guess I just don't see. I, I'm really and I haven't surfed Waco, and I'm again I'm very excited to surf. I'm, I had my first surf. Again, oh, I, did you? Really? I did. I went surfing. Congratulations! Thank you. It's a big Welcome day. Welcome back. Big day. Thank you. I should have. I should have saved it for Waco. My first surf back. You but, but uh, I'm very, very excited to surf Waco. But I, yeah. And if it's as fun as everybody, as as fun as it looks, and as fun as everybody says it is, again, I have no idea. Unless Kelly's is like the, the Bugatti of waves. But I would imagine that the difference between, the best wave at Surf Ranch and the best wave at Waco is not the difference between a Bugatti and a Kia, right? Hmm. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to your best wave at Surf Ranch or, or not necessarily how you surfed it, but the po- feeling the potential of what it is and all that versus your your best waves at Waco. Like what's the give me a give me a car comparison. I here. like it. The car comparison is good. Um it's not that uh divergent or polarizing i think it's closer it, waco would be an economical you know honda accord okay fully dialed though sure like leather everything like Honda accord with all the bells and whistles yeah 22 like, grand and yeah we're not they're probably more than that but like those cars are great freaking vehicles sure. now and they're super comfortable yep there's really you're just as comfortable in that as you are a luxury vehicle except it doesn't have the status yep. of it so then the um i would say the uh, Kelly's would be the Porsche Panamera okay. or something. So it's so it's a Porsche versus an Accord. I think so. Really? Yeah. It seems pretty harsh. Have you have you driven a Porsche? You should take the Panamera. Are you, are you saying that that is too close of a comparison? No, I'm saying that uh, you sit in a Who's... Porsche or you valet a Porsche or something, and you f- feel you know you hear the engine roar and think this is a nice car. But 
driving a Porsche, they're phenomenal cars. I will say it's it's Kelly's Wave is that phenomenal though. But it's you think it's that? I mean, the Porsche was a downgrade from the Bugatti in my mind. Sure, sure, of course it is, of course. But the but a Porsche is like I just spent a week driving a like a Hyundai Elantra or something. You know, nice, totally brand new, dialed in Hyundai Elantra uh, up in Oregon, Um, and the thing. Not to be too, too snobby and statusy here, but yeah, it's not even in the ballpark of driving a Porsche. I will say they both get you from point A to point B with air conditioning, without being bumped around on the road. Okay, you know, I, I think th- I think it's a fair comparison. Okay, because the Waco Wave is one eighth the distance of Kelly's Wave. Okay, okay, you know, and it's um, there's just they're both super fun. Kelly's wave is light years more perfect. Okay, great. That's all well, it is. That is a, this but, is a but fantastic I'm never, analysis. I'm never going to get a perfect wave in the ocean. That's sure. the thing. Is like, I'm never going to paddle out at snapper when it's firing, you know, and there's a million people in the water. I'm just never going to get the wave that's in Kelly's pool so, in the ocean. So is Kelly's pool, is the Kelly pool technology, do you think, going to suffer because they accidentally made it too perfect? Because Yes. I've been saying that for a long time. Yeah. My, my thought for a long time is... We all thought that building a barrel was the ultimate goal. Turns out, once you get barreled in the pool a couple times, it's not that cool. Yeah. You're over it. You're crouching. And I remember Evan Slater, maybe we talked about this. Evan Slater saying at one point, after spending three days at Cloud Nine, getting barreled, he's like, where else can we go surf to do a turn? Yeah. <laughs> I'm over it. So yeah. the barrel, the only value the barrel has is its um, scarcity. Yeah. And now that we've made make, it not scarce, yeah. who cares? That is a fantastic point. I never even thought about that. It's true. And now in Waco, what we're realizing is spontaneity is actually more fun. Is the gold. Here's the other detail about Waco is it's the camaraderie that develops in the pool is so much more fun. Is everybody like hooting each other on, cheering for each other, laughing at each other? Completely. So it's like surfing. Whereas in the in Kelly's pool, it's Schadenfreude. No, you see your buddy coming at you, and you're like, "Fall, yeah. fall, fall!" So I can poach your wave. Totally. And then even even cruising by, uh, I noticed at Kelly's pool, like when you're when you're surfing by your buddies, when you surf by your buddies in the ocean, there's always like a look of joy, I think, or yeah. generally on their faces. And this, it's, you feel that you feel them wishing you to fall, which they're, doesn't feel very good. They're paddling till the very last second, hoping that you fall, and then when you don't, they're like, Ugh. "Yeah." You yep. know, whereas the Waco pool, it's like, I'm exhausted from the 18 waves I just caught. Go, 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 go. And knowing I'm going to get my 19th and my 20th, right? That is here, epic. You know? That is epic. It's freaking rad. So anyways, private session that we did in the morning. You tell Shane what you want. So we're like, all right, well, we want 20 minutes of, we had an hour. So we're like, we want 20 minutes of uh, the intermediate. I think we did the intermediate rippable wave just to like get our bearings because first session of the morning, even though we surfed it the afternoon before. The next 20 minutes, we want the wedgie barrel. And the next 20 minutes, we want the air section. That is fantastic. And Shane's up in the booth playing music for you. And then he comes on and goes, all right, guys, we have three more waves of the intermediate. Then we're going to do the barrel. So then we do the barrel. And he comes on and goes, okay, line up between banner two and three. And what's going to happen is it's going to pulse. These are going to be one wave sets. You want to sit eight feet away from the wall. When you see that pulse, do this type of paddle. When you get up on the wave... You want to low road it. It looks like you want to like you want to run, um, pump, but don't. Just stall, wait for it, and then take the low road. Point your board at the beach, and it'll just spit you out. It gives you all the coaching. That is so fantastic. So, so then the air section wave 
you can learn how to do an air in one day. If did, you had, were you? Yeah, were you? How, how did you progress in your aerial surfing? I did not land an air, but you were. I felt like if I had another hour, I could have sorted it out. Did you like feel good pop off the lip and stuff like that? So I'll tell you, I mean, in with our group of five and the amount of 20 minutes that we had, I probably got five opportunities to do the air. So the way that Shane explained it, he's like, get up and just race towards the wall of the pool. You won't hit it. Go as fast as you can because the section's going to pop up. And if you're not going full speed, you won't have enough time it's to like generate speed yeah. by the time you see it. Just know it's coming. So just get on the horse and go. So that's what you do. And I was the first one in that session to go. And I did everything correct. I was like, got up and just pump, 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 pump. Sure enough, there's the air. Boom, boosted into the air. Got up in the air, didn't land it. And I was like, okay, cool. Turns out that was my best attempt. My next four kind of different things went wrong. I got one where I actually did everything perfect and landed. I just didn't get out of the air. I didn't get in the air. It was like hit the lip, got like weightless feel, and then like landed and realized, oh, your no, board never left the water. Never left the water. Is there, uh, do you have any pictures of yourself no. surfing? No, no video, no pictures, no nothing. We didn't bring a photographer and they don't have a staff guy. Oh, they should have a staff guy, don't you think? I mean, wouldn't you they want, absolutely wouldn't you want pictures of your, of your little boosts? Mm-hmm. But Shane, I asked Shane about all this stuff and about developing and all this. And it's just like, dude, we are running full speed yeah. and we can barely accommodate the demand that we have. But there's no infrastructure in Waco for this. There's crappy hotel accommodations. It's all fast food restaurants. So BSR is like, well, we need rooms. So they're building more rooms and we need a restaurant. So they're building. That they're is bu- fantastic. They're currently building a surf shop, Surf Ride, which is a chain of stores sure. here. They're building a surf ride there. It was almost completed. Um, so they're seeing where the demands are and trying to build it as fast as they can, but they're, it's not as if they built, they have like, um, they hired MBAs who have business development in their background who came and go, okay, in 10 years, wave pools are going to grow this amount. And so we need to build out three restaurants and 18 rooms and we need to now fund it and all that. Like they're just doing it on the fly. This is amazing here. I love almost the fact that it's on one hand. And again, not that these are necessarily competitors, but I mean, I guess on the other hand, they're direct competitors. Uh, on the one hand, you have the WSL and Kelly Slater. Uh, and on the other hand, you have a water ski. I mean, wasn't the BSR guy, isn't he a barefoot water ski champ? Yep. That's what. So you have a barefoot water ski champ and Shane and Jamie O'Brien, who were, I mean, wasn't Jamie involved in the, I thought he was involved in the development of the wave. Maybe. I didn't know that. I thought yeah. he was just coming to surf it. No, no. I think he was, I think in the early days, it was him and Jamie and Shane who like okay. really figured out with American Wave Machines. Okay. Uh, like those are the test pilots kind of, um, which seems pretty phenomenal. Like it's, it's a real, to me, the Waco one just does feel like that every man, I mean, that is the blue collar wave for us surfers. Uh, whereas Kelly's wave and you know, is yeah, it's, it's so a luxury experience. To I answer your question of what the outlook looks like, I think, yes, all three can exist. Totally. The wave garden tech is kind of beginner friendly. So that has a place. The Waco tech is accessible and affordable. So that has a place Kelly's can exist, but it has to be the country club model Sure. because they can only generate one wave every five minutes. That wave is very expensive. And I think that there's definitely people that want that model where you don't have to deal with the crowds because we dealt with crowds. Yeah. I mean, a little bit, you know, it was, it was, by the way, Waco has it sorted out to where the timing of the waves and the number of people in the pool is perfect. That's amazing. We didn't feel it was too crowded. We didn't feel like our money was, um, not well spent because other people were in the pool with us getting waves. None of that. It was all perfect. Um, so all things I think can exist. 
But things like this have come along in the past and then gone away pretty quickly, whether it's beach volleyball or whatever. So I don't have the crystal ball to know whether the market will support it. But currently, it seems like everything's ramping up and that people want it. I wonder if uh, WSL is going to try to make a, a bid for the um, Waco model. For the... Or... For American Wave Machines, the that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if they could just roll it all up and be like, okay, great, we're, we offer two different models now. This the Bugatti Kelly model and the yeah. Facebook bought Instagram, sure, you know, and totally. like that stuff happens all the time. Very interesting. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, it is interesting. So the guy who owns BSR, Stuart, he was there while we were there. He lives on the ranch. Um, his family owns a roofing company that was founded in the 40s. And he just start, He bought this giant property and he's just built out various lakes over the course of the last decade. And it was like added a wakeboard lake. Are they all natural lakes? Is there is there a bunch of water up there in Waco? Or? There is water. I don't know if they're natural or not. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm assuming most of them aren't, but I wondered if there was like a body of water that he began with, or if it was just uh, man-made from the, I from don't the know. The the land isn't barren. Yeah. Like there's plenty of green greenery and trees and stuff. So I don't know, but um, he surfed Enlin once when it first opened three years ago. And was like, well, let's add a wave pool over at our ranch. Amazing. And turns out there's a contingency in wave garden. Whenever you build a wave garden, there's a contingency in the contract that says you can't build another one within a certain radius. So he would have bought a wave garden if they would have. That was his goal. And then he goes, okay, well, what other technologies exist? So then he found American Wave Machines, which has been in business for 10 years. A long time, yeah. They just hadn't ever had a customer. Which just happens to be in Solana Beach, too. Yeah, exactly. and which is Which is where Kelly's offices too right? right for the surf ranch office so solana beach is 
the yeah Silicon Valley, the epicenter of wave technologies. Saltwater Valley, Silicon Valley. That's amazing. Uh, Not saltwater, actually freshwater. No, freshwater valley. So um, Shane had been working with American Wave Machines, like you said, as a consultant, and had left their employ. And but Stuart had already been communicating with him about doing this, and he loved Shane and recognized that Shane kind of knew how to dial in the tech. So Shane was without that job for six months, and he got a call from Stuart directly. And Stuart's like, "Dude, I want you to come out here and consult on this." And Shane's like, "Honestly, dude, my wife, you have to convince my wife. If we're moving to Waco, you have to convince my wife." And Stuart made it worth their while, and they've been out there ever since. I think he, his wife's pregnant with a second kid. Gonna have so. a Texan. Gonna have a Texan. Amazing. Yeah. Well, this is all amazing. That's yeah. ex- this is this is exciting and fun is I, what it is. I can't tell you I how excited. I like it was the most fun surf trip. And the fact that I didn't have to leave for a week, the fact that I didn't have to pack boards, I got, so I brought one pair of board shorts, three t shirts, and then I traveled in shorts and sandals. And I, like I carried a backpack. That was it. Was it was it super hot and humid? No, it wasn't that bad. It was Epic. like here epic a little little more humid than here but and then austin is worth going to alone sure right of course of course so it's like austin for one night surf the pool head to waco it's an hour and a half drive to waco it's totally doable i'm so excited about this totally doable very excited and we got surf ranch coming up this coming weekend too so you get to hit all three major pools within one week totally the other really rad thing was we're um sitting outside the pool waiting for our first session the first afternoon mason ho walks by oh I'm like, Mason, what the heck? Dude? Yeah. What are you doing here? Lost. Rented out the pool that evening for a private session for Mason, Yago Dora, Michael Rodriguez. Mayhem was there. Mike Riola was there. Did you guys watch? Yeah. So we went over to the pool and the bar, drank beers, watched the whole session, full photo shoot. Which then, I, I would imagine that's going to happen all all the time over there, right? Like, dude, especially for the cost. I mean, you could you could get some epic footage of your team riders and have a good time and... Yeah, for a photo shoot alone, it's worth it. But then when you consider board R and D, sure, you know um, it's well worth it. And those guys, it was so aspirational, inspirational to watch. Um, watch the watch the way they approach the. Oh my gosh! So it's so different because at Surf Ranch, watching other people surf is horribly dull. I think totally. So it, this is different. Totally different because it happens so much quicker. Okay, Waves so just, are coming every yep. forty-five seconds, and they're that waves happen within the ride is a 10 second ride. So you get, you get your fill real quick. They either did an amazing air or they didn't, or they didn't land or whatever. And then you get to see another one 30 seconds later. Is there, was there talk of uh, starting a competition or having competitions in the pool? I'm sure there are stabs doing a, Oh well, yeah, that there. sure. Sure. The stab high, um, did, which it, might be why those guys were there. Maybe they were practicing for that. Would it be fun? So from what you've seen, the stab high competition will be very fun to watch. A hundred percent. That's great. Yeah. Every, I mean, we were wrapped. Yeah. We watched for two hours with wrapped attention every single wave. And they were, those guys are unbelievable. They, first of all, they go unbelievably fast. They are so fast. That's the first thing you notice. They stand up and just bolt and you're like, holy crap. And then Mason, very first wave does this backside, what all, I mean, I'm sure I'll get corrected, backside alley-oop. Like rather than hitting the lip and doing a rotation like you'd normally would for air uh 360 air he goes like straight up and then lofts down like in an alley-oop type rotate it was freaking radical then yago's up yago does the loftiest front side three 
Then Mason's up again and he does this lean. It's just like freaking so, so sweet. I can't wait to see what kind of this this makes again. I'm overly excited here, but this is all very exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm so, so hyped on it. I had an unbelievable experience. And again, shout out to listeners who gave me the invite. It was like I got home yesterday reeling. Yeah, I'm still reeling, obviously. Um, anyways, you're going to surf ranch, going to surf ranch. So I'll be there for the whole four days. Yep. When are I'm, you coming? I'm going Saturday. I'll be up there. First thing. What time is the gates open? I eight, don't know. Probably nine. eight. Yeah. I'll be there from gate open till gate close on Saturday. So where are you staying Friday night? I'm not. You're driving up. Hell yes. I refuse. Crack I refuse to touch that Valley with any, any longer than I have to. I mean, at least stay in San Luis Obispo. Nope. Up so and back. Are you driving back that night? Yeah. That is insane. Well, but driving is a is a great pleasure. I think sometimes, right? I mean, can after be a, a full day in the sun and then watching Blink One Eighty Two and probably drinking. Yeah, totally. It's going to be a nightmare. I mean, drive. you know, maybe I'll make it as far as Bakersfield, but but the intention will be to okay. get all the way out of the valley. Okay. Yeah. Um, are you going to watch Blink One Eighty Two? Yes, of course. You said that in our text exchange. I was like, but is that the draw, or are you just no? Going- I mean, I'm going that day. Here, here's what I wouldn't be going at all, to be honest. Like, I have very little interest uh, in it, in Surf Ranch and, you know, in how the competitions go and all that. I feel, though, that I've talked so much shit about it that it's a real weak move not to go, right? Like, it's one I don't pride myself on very much. But one thing I do pride myself on is if I stir up trouble, I will go look that trouble in the eye. And I feel I've given... You know, I've really shared my opinion with, with what I think the surf ranch thing is going to be, and you know, jokingly and maybe not so jokingly sometimes. But yeah, to not go up and experience it myself would be would be a weak move. Good. So I'll be there. Good. I'll lo- be looking it in the eye. I'll be there. Listeners will be there. I would imagine that I can't. Yeah, people are going to be real mad. I think I don't know how what they're going to do with me there. Who the w- WSL, the people. WSL people? Yeah. Um, did you officially get your tickets yet? No. Have you? This morning at seven, I got a text from Prodan going. Hey, you're still coming, right? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I emailed you last week because I hadn't heard the follow-up. Yeah. He goes, cool, I'll send you something right now. So I'm sure he emailed me. I haven't looked yet. I need to, uh, I will ask for my I was tickets. wondering yeah. if they got reneged because of the billboard. Of course, of course they should have. And I did text somebody at the WSL and say, hey, you know, like, that's cool. I, I mean, I'll buy, I'm going no matter what. I will buy my way in if I have to. Uh, or if they don't even sell me a ticket, I'll just stand outside the gate. Um, I'll get you in. Yeah. I got I got bonus tickets. Okay, sweet. So, yeah, I'll be there. So, this is a perfect um, segue, actually. You know Spy Optic, Chaz, sponsors this podcast. Here's the thing. I, I wanted to talk about Spy also because, I, again, I was driving a Hyundai in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. Very cloudy, very gray, the whole almost the whole time, which is just my childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Where... Uh, when I was a kid growing up in Coos Bay, that gray would oppress my soul so much that I would I just would, I mean, yeah, it was awful. It's an awful gray up there when it really sits in. This time I had my spy optic happy lenses and I was just happy as happy as a clam the whole time. Perfect. Yeah. So it works. It totally works. It work, everybody in Oregon and Washington should buy spy happy lenses is what they should do. That's also a big ski destination. Yep. Lots of mountains and slopes and uh, spy makes goggles. Too. It's, I mean, it's, it's so wonderful. I, I would imagine that seasonal whatever. Affective disorder. Affective Sad. disorder. Yeah. SAD would go away entirely if, if all people in seasonal, seasonally defective places uh, were spies. I agree. 
they could write humanity. Yep. So I think uh, the reason why I bring this up is we give away a pair of shades to whoever the grumpiest commenter is each week, whether it's on Beach Grit, sometimes it's on Instagram. One time it was a book review yep. uh, from Rory Parker of your book. Did he ever claim his spice? Yeah. Good. Yeah, he did. Was he Was he excited? Totally. That's fantastic. Yeah, he was psyched. Um, so you know who the winner is this week of the spyoptic.com. Use promo code podcast to support the show and get a free t-shirt put it in your cart when you use the promo code podcast it'll zero out the cost you know who was the grumpiest commenter who's now getting a pair of spy shades with happy lenses so that they see happy who kelly slater yeah oh yeah yeah. (laughs) kelly slater wins kelly good job you'll enjoy them trust me kelly yep come collect I'm actually, I've already procured his pair. I'm bringing him with me to Surf Ranch. Perfect. My goal. And actually, maybe you can be the guy. Yeah. We want to hand deliver Kelly his spy sunglasses. Definitely. At Surf Ranch this week. Definitely. I'm very, very excited to if, see Kelly and Bess and the rest it of it. happens, we will photograph it. Yep. And then I'm going to additionally try to get a photo of him wearing the glasses. Perfect. So the only photo, and so here's the thing. Yes, Kelly needs to see Happy. He does. Absolutely. He does. We'll tell, we'll tell listeners why, what he wrote uh, in a minute. He needs to see Happy, but he also needs to protect his eyes. He does. He never wears sunglasses. There's one image that we've ever seen of him wearing sunglasses. Those electrics. Shot. Don't say that name. Oh. There's no uh-oh. such brand. Oh, okay. There's only Sorry, spy sorry, optic. sorry. There is only spy. So, uh, but the guy who shot that photo is a mutual friend of... Ours and the show, Justin J. Oh, amazing. Did you know that? I did not know that. I did not know that that was a Justin J. Justin J is a phenomenal photographer, I think. I really like his portraits. The best portrait photographer in surfing as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Do you know him personally? I I know you've published his stuff. Yeah, I do. I've spent spent a a decent amount of time with Justin J. Have you? Yeah, very much. Have you? Uh, yeah, I've met him once in person in Carpinteria. We did a, I recorded an episode with him and then we've kept in contact over the years. Um, what's funny is he texted me after our last show and he's like, dude, you got to finish succession. Oh yeah. Cause he's a big fan of it too. So then I did push through and watch the rest of How the season. How great is it? The last two ep- the la- that's what I'm saying. So good. That's what I was saying. So good. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it here, but it's, if, if you have not watched succession back home, the best show on TV for the year, I think. Yeah, I could I could be convinced of that. Yeah, for sure. Those last two episodes. Yeah, phenomenal. It just the tension gets increased every episode. Yep. It just gets crazier and crazier and more but, intense. But with the you know because Will Ferrell is the executive producer on it, and so you have that Will Ferrell comedy like, but but a real elevated kind of comedy is coming through. It's not slapsticky or. It's like very, very funny and very, very dark at the same time. The characters are so well developed and nuanced that um, it's like they're real human beings. Like the amount of depth within each of them is so re- true to life. Yeah. The sister, the way that she is, and the uh, Kieran Culkin's character is exactly like a bunch of people that I've known. The, oh, the other the, brother the, who's actually trying to be a business guy, but like he's exactly like people I know. Cameron from Ferris Bueller is yeah, like, yeah, so he, he's creepy, epic. Dude. Yeah, all of them. It's so good. Nope. So anyway, Kelly, um, we Kelly, if you're listening, anybody who's friends with Kelly that's listening, tell him he won a pair of shades. Who, We're gonna everybody dial needs him a pair. Of, everyone needs a pair of shades. So what happened? Why did Kelly win? You need to explain this to everybody. Well, a f- couple months ago now, I guess, uh, I was minding my own business at home, drinking a cocktail, uh, and Derek and James Pryor, uh, who is Derek's son-in-law, who's a uh, Beach Grits kind of business operations guy, amazing guy, um, 
sent a text to me that said, we're getting a billboard in Lemoore. And I put down my cocktail and just started dying laughing right there. It was such a brilliant idea, I thought. I mean, so, of course, analog and who in this day and age gets billboards, right? But what a perfect thing. I mean, it's right on Highway 41 there, right in front of the surf ranch. Uh, There's a billboard available and yeah, we pulled the trigger on it. And so I spent kind of a couple weeks kicking, kicking around ideas and then settled on uh, the picture of Backward Finn Beth, Beth Grieve, I think is how you pronounce her last name, the um, chief marketing officer of the World Surf League, who, if you remember or, or saw this on Beach Grit, I think a few months ago, um, she uh, was caught in a photo, I think it must have been in Bali or something where Bali. she was. Um, and during she had, the event there. During the event in Bali, and she had just gone out for a surf, apparently, or was going out for a surf, and had put her fins in her board backwards. So they were facing the, you know, yeah, just put her fins backwards, in backwards. Yeah, yeah facing backwards. Uh, there was a couple angles of the photo. We had a lot of fun with it at Beach Grit, um, you know, just writing about it. It was a funny story. I never meant to be hurtful, but it was... It just, wasn't just one story. Yeah, no, it was a mul- series of stories. Multiple stories, but it was too funny, you know, to me. Like, if somebody would have caught me in a kook mode like that, if that happens, you just got to bow down, right? And just take take your beatings because it's just so... I mean, it's so dang funny. The entire thing was so dang funny. And anyway, so yeah, so the billboard is a photo of of Beth uh, with her fins and backwards. And the text alongside is, you don't have to be a surfer to love beach grit. So it's a, it's a message of, yeah, of embrace for all different kinds of folk out there. You sent it to me. I thought it was genius. Like, first of all, getting the billboard is genius. But the execution of what you guys decided to post was so good. Because it's a commentary, obviously. It's a commentary on so many things. It is um, that the brass, who are the arbiters of surfing, might not know how to put their fins in the correct way. It's commentary on the WSLs trying to appeal to the non-surfer, they're always trying to capture that demographic of get more people into surfing. And so you don't have to be a surfer to love beach grit. It's like, it's so freaking good. And I was actually shocked because I got a text message from somebody and it was like, you guys are bullying Beth. And I was like, whoa, like, first of all, my definition of bullying is wildly different. And secondly, what you said, which is if you can't laugh at this, If you can't laugh at yourself in this scenario, then you've completely lost the plot and you have zero sense of humor because I would be the first person to buy Beth a drink at the bar in Lemoore that night and go, Beth, oh my God, let me tell you about when I first started at my job and I freaking wrote the stupidest email. It's like, I sympathize with her. We all sympathize. Nobody's poking fun at her. And then here's the thing. I mean, when that whole, when that photo first came out and I wrote this on Beach Grit too, my whole goal with it, with it was, this is perfect. This is a way, this is Beach Grit's way in uh, with the WSL again, right? This is all something we can laugh at. Um, And I wanted to do the story, uh, you know, like, okay, here's backward Finn Beth. Ha ha. That's really funny. But what is the, you know, and then segue into the kookiest thing I ever did interview a couple pros. What is the kookiest thing they ever did? Being a surfer. Part of being a surfer is making mistakes because surfing's whole code of conduct and code of being and all that is so calm. I mean, I, I write about it in cocaine and surfing, but it's so complex and bizarre of these rules of, you know, how you're supposed to behave and do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, where we're all transgressing, you know, 
all the time kind of and especially when we start like particularly when we start so this uh this idea of talking to her having her have a sense of humor about it showing that she had a sense of humor about it and then all of us partaking in it uh that was my goal i was so firmly shut down from the wsl i think it really hurt feelings over there i think they're furious about it i think they're doubly furious about the billboard uh which to me is okay then i mean it just proves my point again of you guys aren't surfers not only are you not surfers which is fine you have no idea what the you know even a surfer wants if you have no idea what a surfer wants how in the world are you in charge of this whole thing and to me again i mean you you said it but the fact that this it's not just a person that is the chief marketing officer it's not even like it's a pencil pusher at the wsl it is the chief marketing officer the person in charge of marketing surfing and again the fins in backwards is funny the sin to me is not laughing at it and that's the sin that we busted the wsl on i think is you the fins and backwards big deal we all do kooky stuff all the time being unable to laugh about it is what makes you not a surfer yeah i couldn't agree more i was shocked that people would even take it as an affront well even it's 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 reflective of the pc nature of our culture right now and it's also reflective of hey i thought we were all friends like if friends make fun of each other that's what i'm saying and especially in surfing and and yeah i mean so kelly's uh comment why he wins the shades right he, he commented on beach grits instagram about it uh, the i think 48 hours after you know we put it on instagram and had a laugh and then kelly's comment three uh or four words i guess it was funny period cheap period character revealing period uh so funny cheap character revealing which you know then i went and d- discussed on beach grit again because Sure, I like. I totally. It's funny for sure. And I went back on Instagram and said, "But you got to admit that it's very funny." And Kelly snapped back. I said that before doing doing whatever he was going to do. But um, uh, yeah. To me, it's totally funny. I don't know how it's cheap. The the idea of it being cheap or a cheap shot, I totally disagree with. It's it's not. Again, we didn't pick out some you know intern at the WSL and poke fun of them. It's their chief marketing officer. If you can't laugh you know why, why are you here right. and character revealing i have no idea i guess kelly felt that the character of beach grit was to take cheap shots of people which again it is not a cheap shot she is the chief marketing officer with her fins and backwards that's funny in any language i don't think you even need to defend any of that stuff we can chat no. you can chat if you want you need some more food okay well we'll be we'll go to lunch pretty soon here we're almost done here do you right? have food in the car that you want to grab i brought, I brought okay. the only food up she okay motored through it we're all good though um so play, play a little bit more of your game and we'll be done what are you doing over on your ipad what about the computer is that yours or hers yeah i don't have anything on there yeah. um so my other thought with all of this is it highlights something that's actually more important as I've gotten some of the feedback that said that it wasn't funny and that it was mean or whatever. It was like, okay, well now here's the real issue. If surfing is so incestuous that nobody could say anything negative about anybody. First of all, we're all buddies or I thought we're all buddies. We all love this thing together and it is a small group of people. So you should be able to joke around. And if you can't, because the powers that be will ice you out that highlights the need for a villain even more completely and i was like chaz is the perfect guy to poke somebody in the eye like you have the platform for it but also you're not 
it beholden to one of the big brands or any of the big brands. So nobody can threaten you to pull advertise. You don't care about going to surf ranch. You don't care about that stuff. So it's like, we actually need somebody who is um, willing to poke somebody in the eye or poke fun at, or just to show where the humor is in whatever it is that we're doing. At the end of the day, we're only surfing. So it really doesn't matter anyways. So if you take it so seriously that you can't laugh at this thing, Shame on you for not having a sense of humor, but there's always value in criticism. Now, what I also say when I'm having those conversations is, I think that you, and I think you've admitted this too, you can pander down to the lowest common denominator at times and just sling mud, and that's no fun. But you can also, like certainly with um, the first book, uh, Report... uh, Uh, Yeah, Welcome 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 to Paradise. Paradise. Now Go to Hell. Like... It was a very critical analysis and a very uh, lot of history and a lot like a very thoroughly well-written thing that it's like, okay, you can critically analyze things and that's what it should be all the time. And so let's support it. Let's value it. Let's encourage you to do that regularly. You know what I mean? Give well, it, and you of... have the platform to do it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, David Lee. I think there's tremendous value in it. I mean, Surfing doesn't have it anywhere else. And so if we don't see the value, and that's what I look at my role on the podcast is like, hold you accountable for things that you say, certainly, but then require you to critically analyze what it is and why you said it and why it means something, you know? Like it has so much value in surfing. I mean, and it, to me- The fact that nobody's doing it and nobody's done it for 30 or 40 years is shocking. I mean, and that's uh, to your point, I think it's just everybody got too beholden to the brands or too beholden to, to wanting something from surfing, like wanting to go. I mean, yeah, so many people won't say boo about Surf Ranch because they want they still want to get an invite to Surf Ranch exactly. to go surf it. Which to me is, I mean, come on, if you can't, if your whole thing is geared up about what you can get out of something, then you know what's i mean what's the point of all this and i mean yeah and then somebody else said to me too they're like so you're gonna make fun of the company aren't you going to surf ranch aren't you gonna make podcasts there so you're gonna make fun of the people that gave you the golden ticket and i was like no 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 if their wsl only invited me to come record podcasts there to have a glowing review of their thing then First of all, I'm not interested. Number two, they that's a huge misstep on their part. They should be hoping that I have a critical take on what's happening there because that engages more fans than if everybody just says glowing things. Completely. Fans want to hear the critical analysis. They want to hear where the shortcomings were. They then offer suggestions and get engaged in the process and the next event becomes better and now the fan is an investor in your product. Completely. And and th- I would really, and it's what I really hope for the World Surf League, for them to be able to listen to to uh, especially the core fan um, and the core fan's opinion about what they're seeing. So far, though, the WSL has been so entirely deaf to any of it. Uh, I don't think that's true. It's shocking. How, how Over the years, we've talked about things that they need to do or that they should be doing better, and they've incorporated those that's things. That's true. I mean, I guess I guess long-term or looking, looking yeah. at the long game, possibly. Um, but yeah, you could be right. Over the years, it is a longer game and they're driving a big ship, you know, or sailing a big ship. So you make small incremental adjustments to make a long arcing turn. You can't pivot quick. It's true. But I guess just in my experience of dealing with the World Surf League, there were so many more open doors of the ASP. Like there was a thousand ways for for somebody to get in and kind of engage with it. Uh, The ASP never took itself super seriously. And I I would have, you know, I guess critics would say, well, it was unprofessional or whatever. But it was an unsuccessful business. Yeah. But but I think 
think though, in essence, they're doing what the World Surf League is doing. You know, the stream now is better, but they were still streaming every event, and it was interesting, right? I mean, yeah. we all loved it back then too, and or loved we had, watching it. We, I guarantee, roll the tape from back then. We had complaints. I oh, guarantee for sure. Oh, hundred percent. No, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I mean, but I think again, that's part of surfing is to sit in the lineup and shit talk, right? And what's part of every sport? Of course, armchair quarterback. The terms invented because of, you know. Of course, of course, and so yeah, I. Uh, what I would, I guess my, of my many long list of complaints, what I would just love for the WSL to engage, to realize, okay, this is funny. We're doing, we're making mistakes. We do funny stuff. And instead of acting like a company about it, where you spin into damage control, where you just open, open it up and be like, okay, big deal. Funny, right? This is all funny. Like, come on in, everybody come celebrate. We, we're not taking this, you know, we're going to thicken our skin a bit. We're not going to have Dirk Ziff, you know, trot out and, and give some weird speech about grumpy surfers. Let's just, let's realize that, okay, we tried to make this corporate. Uh, We all come from corporate, corporate backgrounds. That's not what, you know, that's not what's going to get the core surfer engaged. So let's break down the walls a bit and just, and just have fun with it instead of being, they just feel so wound up. They feel like, and maybe it is right. Maybe the whole thing is teetering on the brink of utter collapse. And so they're just, you know, any wrong move, which, I have some I have some background information about that, but I don't know if I can say it. Oh, okay. Bummer. About financial stability? Possibly. Wow. A okay. possible insight into the financial stability. Well, when you are feeling financially pressured in any part of your life, of course it makes you make terrible decisions. Exactly. You know? uh, by the way, my experience with the WSL in terms of um, whether or not they want glowing review or critical review has actually been very positive. They've never once dictated anything. And I've done a couple interviews with Dave Prodan. We've been wanting to do a quarterly kind of recurring thing. We just haven't pulled it off the last quarter. Um, I've given him veto power. I go, hey, dude, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Anything you don't want, let me know and we'll edit it out later. Or I'll send you the file and you could edit the file. He's never once taken me up on it. He's like, no, dude, whatever. It's all good. Ask what you want. Dave is phenomenal. And I think at the lower levels, I'm sure that uh, people there are phenomenal. It's It's the people in the you know, the upper like Beth and Sophie and these people are the people and, you know, Graham Stableberg for that matter. These are the people that I question their, uh, both ability to know what's happening, uh, in the grassroots or at the grassroots level and, or their care. Right. Do you think that if you are an executive for a decade or two at a high level and you got a lot of yes people around you, you're just not used to being insulted. Maybe totally. I mean, I'm sure that they're, and and they didn't come from surfing. Right. And so I think they look at this and it's hard. It's hard not to take it personally, maybe for them, but I don't know. Like to me with Beth, we don't know anything about Beth or her character. So this is in no way an insult, a personal attack because we don't know anything about you to even attack. This is a title in an organization that is doing something entirely silly, uh, you know, in the sport that you're supposed to be. Have you, have you talked to people uh, that are excited about the surf ranch pro like people? Hey, I got my tickets. I'm excited. I'm headed in. Hey, Hey, Hey. Yes. Like really thrilled. Uh, everybody's going into it with a little bit of trepidation. Like I'm thrilled for the novelty of this thing, but I haven't talked to anybody who's excited to watch the best surfing they're ever going to see in their life. I, uh, want to be wrong so badly i love being wrong it's one of my favorite things in life is being wrong i want to go to surf ranch and be blown away by both the experience and by the you know yeah the the way it's all laid out the the event itself i want to go and be so 
you know, blown away that I have to write a big, I'm sorry, apology letter, uh, the next morning in from Bakersfield. Um, but yeah, I, I bet it's going to be, I can't imagine it going, it's going to be anything, but like not an unmitigated disaster, but not a success. So I think that on site, on the premises, it'll be super fun. Really? Great energy, tons of celebrities, quote unquote, walking around. I think that the viewing experience online is where they're going to have the biggest challenges making it exciting. And and again, I mean... For I, the reasons that we've discussed. It's been part, of my, part of my wonder about Surf Ranch anyway is if, if it's never something that's going to be successful streamed, but uh, it is very, would be theoretically successful as part of an event like the the centerpiece of a three-day you know music and food and surfing festival whatever i mean you and i have both been there once um when you go there the sheer spectacle of the engineering is amazing to witness yep the gate opens onto that pool and it's like like shangri-la you know it's like oh my gosh and then to see people surf it really well is additionally cool. Now, if you have the arena atmosphere with all the fans roaring and all of that, you can't help but get caught up and swept up in that. And then you're seeing all your favorite surf celebrities wandering around the premises. It's going to be rad to be on site. Um, I think the, the energy is going to be good. But again, watching it online, you're not getting the energy, the live energy. And then also you're... The wave we've already seen a million times before, and it's so predictable. You know when the barrel's coming. It zaps all the spontaneity that we love out of the ocean, uh, from the ocean, out of this event. So that again is the challenge that I foresee. But can the the question now then becomes, can you create an arena atmosphere and sell enough tickets to make it worth running these events? Yeah, sure. That is where you need to get your money back if that's what you're banking on. Yeah. You know? But it's like the UFC sells a lot of those tickets, but they're really selling pay-per-view memberships is what they're, or purchases, you know? So. Are you going to be, we're going to be podcasting on Saturday. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Will it be a live, a live podcast? No. Uh, but I'm going to publish that night. Okay. So we'll publish every day. Okay. At the end of the day. Uh, are you staying at the Tachi or are you? No, they booked the Tachi out a year in advance basically when they announced that they were going to be doing this i think the wsl just, just basically go. booked it okay and um i had to book an airbnb in a nearby town eight minutes away which town hanford hanford yeah i know hanford but that's the thing is we didn't get these invites until three weeks ago so it was a month out it's like well there's nothing available with a month out but thankfully i think enough of the local community has figured out that airbnb would be a great additional revenue source so they've built you know i, I don't think that these airbnbs existed a, yeah, a year ago i mean who in the world would airbnb to hanford or yeah. lamore or visalia or any of them yeah so Thank it's probably God's a boom. There. the other thing i wanted to talk to you about with uh, kelly winning the spyoptic.com use promo code podcast shades is the idea of censoring writing. I was listening to um, Chuck Palahniuk was on Joe Rogan last week, and he had a lot of interesting commentary. It was right when your story hit and Kelly censored you or attempted to. And um, I thought about all the parallels in what he was talking about. It what was, was, what really was Chuck? Chuck's the author of Fight Club, for those who don't know. But what, did, what, was, his, what was his take in a nutshell? So Fight Club is not the most sensational thing that he's written. Sure. He's written tons of really, really bizarre, racy sensational, stuff. Yeah. racy, and a lot of um, stuff that like 
publishers are like, oh my gosh, yeah. we got stuff that, I don't know, should I say it in front of your daughter? Yeah, no, she's got her headphones what are you talking on, about? Right? She, uh, she's, she has a worse mouth than you. Um, okay. So he was telling a story. He was in a writing workshop with um, Cheryl Strayed who is the writer of Wild, okay. which they made a movie about with Reese Witherspoon. I think she won the Oscar for it. Phenomenal movie, phenomenal book, actually. I loved both those. Um, and so he was in a writer's workshop with her, and this is before she wrote Wild, before either of them were famous. And she brought something to the workshop, and it was about when she was a kid. This is a true story, because Wild is autobiography, and this was part of one of the early drafts, talking about sitting on her grandfather's lap, and her grandfather having her hold his member Uh-oh. and massaging it Uh-oh. until completion. Yeah. And her feeling. You want to? Okay, we're, we'll be finished here. And we're telling a really, David's telling a really good story right now. Don't listen. <laughs> so her feeling is like the worst timing ever. The yep. greatest pod moment yep. of all time. Yep. So I'm using language that she can't decipher intentionally. Um, So her feeling the completion and the pulsing of it in her hand and the spillage and all that and not knowing what it was as a child. And then her being outside it a couple days later and a baby bird had fallen out of a nest onto the ground and it wasn't able to fly. That's why it fell and the mother didn't see it. And she picked up the bird and squeezed it in her hand until it lost its life and felt the death throes of the bird pulsing in her hand. And it reminded her of her experience with her grandfather and what, and none of it was sexual. She was pre-sexual, but her going through this and people in the book club or the writer's workshop were mortified like told her told her to shut it down well basically actually the way that it the way that he told it was it was the greatest piece of writing he had ever heard in his life yep and it was the greatest piece of wild but the publisher knew that she was destined for greatness and the publisher knew that that was going to be on oprah's book club of the month or whatever oprah was doing at the time and if that story was in it that there was no chance that oprah could endorse it oh so so the publisher batted down her creativity and her truth, by the way. This is a true story. And Chuck was like, he realized through this workshop, which is supposed to just be about creative writing, he learned a larger lesson, which was, I can never let, that was the greatest piece of writing I'd ever heard in my life. I could never let somebody censor the writing for the greater. I'd rather be true to the art and to the fan base than do what the publisher says so we could sell more books to Oprah's fans. It's a, I mean, it's a fascinating, I think. It's something that I always think too, right? Or or am wrestling with to, to one extent or the other of like, if you want to be doing like your kind of best stuff and pushing the envelope, you're going to you're gonna like burst out, right? You're going to push the envelope. Do you know pushing the envelope, by the way? It doesn't mean pushing the envelope across the table. What it means is filling the envelope to overflowing. So if you push the envelope, that means you're you're filling it too full. Right? I had never even thought about it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, if you push the envelope here, uh, you know, chances are you're going to blow it out one time or the other, right? Where there's, I look back on the stuff I've written and think, ooh, you know, that was that was both inappropriate and mean, or I went way over the line right there. But there's no way to to stay dancing on the line uh, without without falling over from time to time, right? And I guess uh, creatively and professionally, more important, 
wild if it wouldn't have been an Oprah book club selection, it probably would have never taken off the way it did. So what, you know, like it would have been one of the greatest say, or have some of the greatest writing of all time in there, but you know, nobody read it. And I guess that's the, that's or, the, or let's say a million people read it instead of 20 million. Yeah. And that's good too. And sure. that, and then maybe without all that added success and luxury and adulation that she becomes, she a, better becomes a better writer. Yeah. That's so it's a good point. You know, it's a difficult point. Well, and then my thought too, with what you were just saying is when you have stepped over the line and been slapped down or whatever, thank goodness. Well, I don't know, maybe, but thank goodness you, didn't feel have your feelings so hurt that you then shy away and never push the line again. Oh, yeah, no. Which is what where I'm thinking with backwards backwards Finn Beth. It's like, no, no, no. Don't get your feelings hurt. It's totally okay to make a mistake. And none of us are shaming you permanently. It's just like, yeah, make a mistake, have a laugh about it, acknowledge the mistake, and be a better person. Be a better version of what you were trying to be in the first place. And as cliched as it is, I mean, that's it, right? We learn, we make mistakes, we learn, we hopefully improve or get better. And I feel that way, you know, about even writing as a craft, right? Like, if I know that some of the stuff I do is not good and not appropriate and whatever, and, you know, I know that I'm also not, you know, the best, (laughs) clearly the best writer in the world or even close to the best writer in this room. Um, but, uh, there's something about, I mean, I just love writing. Right. And, and there's something about just, yeah, about falling down. It's and okay thinking, to fall down. Yeah, it's great. Okay. I totally blew it. I really, really was wrong and was, you know, pick it up, dust it off. That's the funny thing. Like, for example, I mean, this is not, this is a silly example, but it's like, uh, a couple of days ago I got a rumor that, uh, Larry Page, the um, co-founder of Google, bought Nomotu, right? So the Fijian island. So right. it was a credible source uh, and, you know, it sounded legit. So I, I didn't do my my um, research properly, but just threw up the story. Uh, I was contacted by somebody who said, hey, this is not true. And, you know, it's causing a lot of problems. Can you, can you take the story down? Um, and I was like... I didn't take the story down. I just wrote a correction that went up behind it, right? Where like, oops, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I was totally wrong. Where, you know, this is not life or death stakes here. But I always want my, my mistakes to just be there as mistakes. Like, I never, ever want to go back and try to erase stuff, which I think people always do, right? Like, totally. I, people it's an would, understandable impulse. Of course. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I, was in, I was totally embarrassed. Uh, but I want my embarrassment to be there as almost a pillar and just move on from it, but keep all the embarrassing things that I've ever written there as like, yeah, you know, that's, that was there. That was there. There's another one. There's just as almost landmark. I mean, my career is littered with embarrassing moments. Well, it's funny. Somebody left a comment on the website a while back. It was like, David, you're such a hypocrite. You said this and then you did this other thing on the next show. Like what a hypocrite. And I replied back and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am a, I am a hypocrite, actually. I am a um, complex human being who feels passionately one day about something and then feels passionately the next day about something that is in conflict with that first thing. We all do. Which We all do. And yes, so you're right. I'm a hypocrite. It is what it is. And then he replies back and he's like, cool. 
Great response. That's, yeah. that's how I feel about things too sometimes. Totally. Which, Whereas if I would have tried to defend my initial point, it would have gone back and forth like the internet does with this troll versus... But it's sincere. It's like, man, when I first said that first thing, I totally believed it. Which, Next time I felt that other thing. And it, I feel like to the like in the you know in the internet age and with instagram and social media and all that where where everybody's busily you're able kind of especially at a low level to to curate your own life right i mean once you get to a certain point of fame i guess then other people are curating and so it's impossible to weed out mistakes but if you want you know people you know that you can post something on facebook that was wrong and then delete it or you know post an instagram picture that's unflattering and delete it like everybody can go through their lives curating the best moments of all of it um, and again, I just think there's real value in, in monuments to failure. It seems like people are afraid of it. And so the ones who do it, um, fans, whoever, listeners engage with it. Cause they're just like, oh man, that's relatable. Which, that's the way I, I live my life. Or and you know, even with the billboard and all this, like you never know going into something that it's going to be on the right side of the line. You know, like I'm always hoping everything is, but this billboard totally could have, people could have said, you're, you know, you are online bullying a woman. And in the day and age of Me Too and all this, this is, you know, we could have been strung up and, and drugged through the streets, which to me is, it's always worth to, you know, when, like when you're on the line, it's worth always to make the mistake uh, or or to go through it with it. Um, be, you know, willingly, knowing that okay this could this could yeah. be we could get smeared for this and our only defense will be i thought it was funny but to me again at the end and surfing especially which is why i don't understand why the wsl doesn't get this but i thought it was funny is a response that can cover a multitude of sins uh surfing's funny what we do is funny if you're trying to be funny and you fail then it, I, I was trying to be funny like, i agree uh, the end i agree i messed I, up i think it's amazing for the record uh Great concept, brilliantly executed. I mean, it's all Derek. Derek the, Riley. Is the a execution's genius. actually better than the just getting the billboard. Like it's so good. Derek Riley is, you know, uh, it's all credit to Derek. He is and James, but yeah, yeah. genius, Derek Riley. And by the way, Kelly um, validated it. Said, I, like fun. we always talk about, there's no such thing as bad pr- publicity. Just the fact that Kelly even chimed in about it validates it. I totally love when Kelly chimes in. I always. I'm so happy I to, have, totally. to have him part of the conversation. The part that always drives me crazy is you'll see it and good on the power of Kelly, I guess. But somebody criticized him. Or, you know, this happens regularly. But in that feed in particular, somebody criticized him. Uh, Kelly shot back, uh, you know, like angry Kelly, whatever. And the guy totally backed down. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I think the criticism was... Hey, you're faking hurt and you're, you know, oh, surfing yeah. all over the world and, you know, whatever. And then Kelly shot back, whatever his talk to my doctor, yeah, look at the x-rays, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then the guy totally capitulated where I always think with Kelly, like I would imagine if I was Kelly, I'm competitive. I'm the, you know, want to be the best. I want the best opponents too. I don't think I'm the best opponent to Kelly, but I've never backed down to Kelly. Like if I've made a mistake, then I will admit, okay, I'm, you know, whatever, that was a mistake. But, you know, Kelly's DM me before, like, why do you do what you do? It's, you know, you're, I mean, I think he's, it's, yeah, probably not true, but he was saying you're more talented than what you do kind of, right? Where I think what I do is funny for me. And as long as it's funny for me, then I'm going to keep doing it. And that's all I can do. Like if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to, uh, yeah, live live my life in response to Kelly Slater. Then what am I doing? Yeah. So well, we're gonna help him see the light. Oh, and he's gonna be happy so at the same happy. Time. He's gonna be so happy. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, let's close out with Barrel or Not. Let's do it. Driving while watching a WSL event on your phone is the most barrel thing you can do, I'm going to say. It's the perfect way to take in the action. I watched the entire final day of Tahiti on my drive south from Napa Valley. How perfect was it? It was the the drive went by in a flash. It was the best drive I've ever had. Um, and now I will say for the record, in case my parents are listening, I've got it positioned up on the dashboard in a way that I barely even have to sure. glance over. And you're barely glancing over anyways because most of it is just sitting around. And, so and you're listening to all of it. And it's never really like missing a wave in real time never matters at all no. because it's the replays and all that. You're going to catch it, you know, a thousand times. Not only, you know, if it's a phenomenal wave, not only will you catch it 20 times in the rest of that heat, you'll catch it hundred times more during the competition. So just hearing the real live action of it is what you're going for. And I'm, by the way, driving south on the five endlessly straight just, with oh. nothing around. So it's like if whatever I'm switching lanes when somebody's on a wave, I focus on the road and then I'm back into the right lane again, no. driving straight when they run the replay and I can glance down and watch it. Again, and the WSL has not taken my advice on many things so far, but it's why they need like... The whole thing should start, I think, with the announcers and build down from there. Like the announcers are the most important part of their property because those are the guys you have to listen to, especially if you're driving, you know, eight hours or whatever, or people even listening to at home. Like that's where surfing could become a next level thing. If those guys became or figured out how to become enjoyable to listen to, then you might actually get people who aren't necessarily fans listening because it's an enjoyable commentary where yeah. I think a lot of non-baseball fans listen to baseball on the radio because they like the banter of, you know, a great announcer. Like, again, I bring him up here, but Vin Scully, you don't have to know one thing about baseball. You can sit in your car when Vin was calling the Dodgers and listen to just him uh, talk about both the game uh, that's playing in front of him, the game of baseball in general, yeah. the history and American history and all this stuff. And it's it's as an enjoyable way to spend three hours as any, right? Which yeah. surfing could be if they had phenomenal announcers, that's where it should start. They should like stop the presses and go on a worldwide search to find phenomenal announcers. Yeah. I think Ron might be one of them, maybe. And uh, I think Strider could be a sideline kind of guy. I like Strider on the sidelines. But the rest of them, they should, God bless them, they should give them all pink slips and start again. Because yeah. the best part of it, theoretically, of sitting and listening, like you did, uh, is the worst part. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, barrel for driving while watching. Completely barrel. You're like double, like double hand drag, riding the foam ball, gonna for sure come out barrel. I like it. Um, 
getting married at age 20 barrel or not um i did it at age 20 i'm gonna go barrel okay i married at 23 okay first i'm gonna go barrel because you get your starter marriage out of the way and you're you're still a young you know young 30s when you're when you're ready to do it right okay and you've learned all these lessons and now you know not only how to be a better spouse uh i think you haven't had a lot of dumb the dumb cliched single guy time right like yeah. oh yeah you know went to the bar and went home with the girl like I mean, I so don't. That is actually more detrimental to one's growth than getting the starter marriage. Out I, of the way. I completely think so because I think that you get cap, you get caught in this cycle of of nothing's really elevated, right? Like if you're going out and hooking up with chicks and whatever, like there's nothing new to that story. There's no great narrative there. Uh, a marriage, good or bad or even indifferent, can be or provide the lines for a great narrative that you can you know take and. And do something better with after. I think I'm way more interested in hearing people, you know, who got young or got married young and then see what their lives, what they did the, to their lives. than the dude who partied until he was 38 and then thought, oh, you know, hey, Brad's, you know, finally time to tie the knot. Somebody got to settle down where that's actually pathetic. And you've lived like a cliche to life. I know exactly. I don't have to even. Yeah. I don't even have to read any of your stories. I don't have to look at any of your anythings i know the light you know it's this just this series of hookups and whatever which uh, that's boring to me give me give me narrative it's a much more compelling argument than i was expecting from you um getting married at 20 is on barrel or not because in texas every young girl that like either was working at the register at whatever married yeah yeah. Dude, and at BSR, actually, there's two girls working the computers at BSR. Walk up, and I think of both of them as children. I see them both, and I'm like, oh, a couple of just mean. It's a menial job, and these are just young, Kids. if even college girls, maybe just out of high school. And I glance down at one of them. She's wearing a wedding ring. I'm like, huh. Glance over to the other one. Same. And I noticed it not only there, but multiple times throughout the trip. And I mentioned it in the pool. We get to the pool, um, uh, the pool bar after our surf session and the bartender working there is just smoking and married, but young. I don't know if she was married or not, but it jogged the memory in my mind of the other girls. And so I turned to my buddies who are already there. Cause I was interviewing Shane Magnuson and like Mason and stuff. And, uh, so I get to the bar late and I turn to them and I'm like, Hey guys, you know what I noticed here? They're like, huh? And I go, all the 20 year old chicks have wedding rings and they turn, they go, we were just talking about yeah. it. They noticed it too. It's funny, but I think it's like super conservative, sure. Texas, and a lot of Christian culture. What are you going to do culture. out there? I mean, what else is there to do? Get married. Well, yeah. yeah. It's fun. I guess so. Get married. So, okay. Well, you're advocating for it. Yeah. So barrel. 100%. Okay. Uh, flossing. Uh, As in flossing your teeth. Yep. Yep. Not the dance move. Not the flossing dance move. Or I didn't know that was a move. That's the oh, one the... that I, that's called flossing. Oh, yeah. it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot. Uh, the uh, funny enough, I'm not on flossing because I always try to do it. Of course, everybody tries to do it. I, I would imagine when you go to the dentist and they say, "Hey, you got to floss." I read a study, and if, this is the best part about studies, right? Is you can find <laughs> you can find the one that validates the your... study written by the sugar company. Exactly, and then you're like, "Oh, that's it." I never have to read another one. But said that that flossing is entirely negligible. Uh, do, doesn't matter. Really? Mm -hmm. But who, so who was the study written by? It was probably by the, the dentists who want to pull your teeth out. But yeah, yeah like I, I heard it on NPR, so. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't either. mean that much, but at least it was, had gone through one filter. Yeah. But yeah, they said that flossing does not, is neither here nor there in terms of your dental health. I mean, of course, if you have something stuck in your teeth, you better get yeah. it out. But 
but in terms like, of like nightly flossing, it, yeah, doing it, doing it every time you brush floss. I just realized like a couple weeks ago, I have never conquered flossing. Like, <laughs> I have been trying sure. to make it a regular thing how, for thirty years long, of my life. How long have you gone? What's your longest flossing in between dentist visits? I mean, but how long do you? Because so you six have six months. You've flossed for six months. You've lasted six months. No, I'm saying how oh, long? Like how long oh, will oh, you floss oh, oh. for after committing to flossing? I think I've gone ten days before. No, jeez, three days probably. Okay, for me. like three consecutive days of flossing. Fourth one, I'm over it. Yeah, but here's the thing. I think teeth. This is my theory on teeth. I think teeth are by and large genetic. Uh, so you either have, have strong teeth or you don't. And if you have strong teeth, then you're not going to get very many cavities. You don't need to floss and all this kind of stuff. If you don't, then you're just screwed. No matter what you do, you're you can brush all the time. Uh, and floss all the time, and you're still going to be getting cavities. Yeah, I'm gonna have to vet that with a doctor. Vet it. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's. A, I'm sure we have a, a dental listener. Oh, out for there. sure we do. So I think it's maybe fifty fifty. I think that there is a lot of genetics. But if your mom gave you bottles of orange, uh, yeah, orange juice or apple juice sure. when you were a kid, she's diminishing all of your. For sure. I mean, heredity. I mean, I mean, especially as a child, I think yeah. behavior, yeah. behavior, and all that is it can really set set the tone for the future. But yeah. Well, I'm still trying, despite the study that you just I'm gonna, referenced. I'm, gonna I'm find still the, trying to floss. I'm going to find the study and send it to you, okay. and then you can try not to, also, or not okay. care. Okay. I love. I saw somebody was like, "Yeah." The dentist was like, "When was the last time you flossed?" And the guy's like, uh, "You were there." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Final barrel or not? Nah. Stab is obviously doing the air show stab high at Waco. And they just announced on Instagram that they're going to do a point deduction for claiming waves. So if you do a crazy air and then claim it, you get deducted points. Barrel or not, deducting points for claiming. Nah. And this is is going to sound like hating on stab. No, I agree. But it's like you can't go. I mean, I know it's not cool to claim and all that. But you can't. Once you start trying to regulate cool or then it's totally uncool. Like the person who's claiming that somebody should just claim like crazy and take massive point deductions because who cares if you win the damn stab high, but yeah, like the stab is going to make claiming cool again, which good on, good on claiming. Perfect. By the way, this whole segment, Barrel or Not, is us trying to dictate what's cool or not. Yeah, totally. Of course. But, but, uh, <laughs> Doing it jokingly, of course, or in jest. But I felt the same. So you articulated it perfectly because when I first saw it, I thought, Number one, you should never lose points. Once you, because I've always hated that with the WSL too, where it's like, oh, he didn't finish the ride strong, so he's not going to score as high. And it's like, but he already did three sick turns out the back that he would have got eight points for no matter what. The fact that he didn't land the little tap off the whitewash doesn't mean he loses points. It's so silly to me so too. I always thought that was a dumb concept. But when Stab posted that, I thought what you thought, which is like, whoa, guys, don't try to dictate what's cool and what's not, you know? And it isn't cool, but. Now it is, now officially. It is. Now, now that stab is. is now that stab is saying it's uncool officially, then claims are the coolest thing ever. Yep. Uh, when Beach Grit has its Waco pool contest, we'll have <laughs> no. We'll have nothing. Claims. The the Beach Grit contest is going to be the uh, lifelong intermediate contest. That's, the everyman contest. I, that's what's still coming. I've I've wanted to. I mean, more than anything, that's the thing I want to do. We really do. I mean, honestly, in that pool, if you. Catch the wave, get to your feet, make it down the line. That is worth the claim. That's so. All right. Well, hey, we're going gnaw for that, of nah. course. Shout out to spyoptic.com for donating a pair of shades to Kelly Slater. That's fantastic. We you want guys, to protect his eyes. Then they're basically, it means they're basically sponsoring Kelly right basically. now at this point. I mean, the fact that he's won a pair of shades, whether he claims them or not. Or, we're going to get a photo of him accepting them. I can't wait for that. And um, what is it? Pterygium? Is that what it's called? Pterygiums. Yeah. Uh, Monica Eliogram.
posted an Instagram with an eye patch yesterday. She got her tridge cut out. She got it cut out. She I met, said she's had it since she was 14. And it was super painful surgery. On the on the book tour, uh, I was up in Bellingham, Washington. That's where the book tour ended. Bellingham is basically into Vancouver, BC. Yep. Phenomenal. My brother lived there. Oh, nice. Phenomenal little town. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, great bookshop. Village Books in Bellingham, if you're up there. Fun fun little turnout. And uh, the editor of the Snowboard Journal uh, was in attendance with his either wife or girlfriend. Um, great guy. But uh, I was talking to them afterwards, and she had the most wonderful pterygium. Uh, I think she's a fly fisherwoman, if I heard correctly. And I complimented her pterygium, and she was so happy. that really? I, Yeah, she's nobody has ever complimented my pterygium. And she was thinking about getting it removed, too, but... But yeah, it's her doctor. I think said it's not quite big enough yet. But it was a it was a good pterygium. She wow. so proud. If I had pterygiums that big, I only have baby pterygium. But if I had a big one like Bruce Iron size, I would just be thrilled. Battle scar. Oh my goodness, life spent staring at the sun. I uh, been remiss to not ask you about the book tour yet. Oh yeah, it's great. How was it? Yeah, I mean it's, you know, it's book tour is good like in the same exact way as it is to go to Waco with listeners or to go to the surf film festival like getting away of course it's not this thing that you know it's a it's time consuming and i'm sure the return is not it's not like you know 200 people are showing up to hear me read a book about cocaine and surfing but every crowd i mean you know there's the phenomenal bookstores like powell's in portland which just thinking about it and thinking about bookstores and how they kind of center communities if powell's didn't exist i don't think portland would be a city powell's is such a great bookstore that i honestly think that all you know Oregon benefits from having Powell's but so uh, you know at Powell's there was a, a decent crowd and it's just it's just great I think to be in bookstores you know these analog places doing an analog thing with people who still appreciate that right yeah. and so there's something even if I mean in Eugene I think two people showed up oh, wow. uh, a whole two at the Barnes and Noble in Eugene but you know it was fun to sit and it's also Barnes and Noble it was all I'm so I, it's, Barnes and Noble sucks yeah. in general and you know they don't they're dumb and don't promote yeah. it and stuff whatever but uh but you know one of the guys was from Corvallis had dro- driven you know an hour and a half or whatever and so it was great I got to sit and talk to him for what are you worried about Oh, I don't think it was Mama, but I'll answer again if the number calls again. Do you want to say something to close out the radio? I mean, the podcast. Explain to people how you got into the room. I climbed in the window, and that's great, because I love surfing with my daddy, and that's a great speech, Daddy. Thank you very much. Nice. Oh, yeah. I was impressed by your climbing ability, Boom. and it's a good thing that these windows did not have screens on them. Because a screen will prevent you from getting in. So if anybody lives in San Clemente and wants to swing by album late at night, <laughs> just kidding. Hey, shout out by the way, album surfboards. I love albums so much. Oh, and that's I, that's it. My first surf back after eight months or whatever. Um, I paddled out on the board, the album board that I brought up to surf Surf Ranch that I never got to surf because I blew my shoulder out. And so, full Did circle. You, was this the borrowed board? I don't know if it's borrowed. I just kept it because I loved it so much and didn't get a chance to surf it. <laughs> You've had a loner board for like eight months. Eight that, months. This has gone untouched in my garage. And unnoticed by Matt? Well, I'm going to, I love the board so much that I, I need to surf it a couple more times. So Matt, okay. if you're listening, I'm sorry. It'll come back eventually, but Amazing, it is dude. such a beautiful board. It's crazily beautiful. I returned my other one. I just couldn't, he, I, I yeah. got two boards to go up and I returned one, but I couldn't bear to return this one without surfing it and it was just 
you know, well, my yeah. arm was busted. Couldn't surf. I, I mean, we really need to dedicate some time to hearing about your first surf back, but I know you guys got to get to lunch. So do you want to do that conversation later? Yeah, you, it's, okay. it was it was totally unremarkable. What The one thing, I mean, it felt fantastic to get back in the water and paddle and all that kind of stuff, you know, just be, you know, the two takeaways, I guess I can go real quick. Uh, the one is surfing, being an intermediate surfer, perpe- the perpetual intermediate surfer always stuck in intermediacy uh, is has always frustrated me to no end, right? Like you just, no matter how much you surf, you can't get better. Paddling out for the first time after eight months, I got the total benefit of being the forever intermediate because I my surfing had not <laughs> had not appreciably uh, declined. My ability was just the same, more or less, as it was eight months ago. That's amazing. And so the only thing I felt was like kind of slow on the pop, just because my shoulder is still getting yeah. used to uh, which will come back. But yeah, I feel like when I start surfing every day again, I will not have lost even a half step. So, so it's the amazing. beauty, the beauty of being a perpetual intermediate is uh, the hard part is you never get better. The great part is you never get worse. Dude, I have embraced the perpetual intermediate thing hard because I did feel guilty about it too. And like ego bruised and all that for probably a decade. Sure. And I've just in the last year or two just accepted it. And That's how like, you surf. Oh, it is what it is. Not not getting more athletic right now. I'm not getting better at anything. I'm just, if this is what it is, I have a blast. As long as I don't see photos or videos of myself, I exactly. have a blast. Exactly. And now even when I do see those, I go, who gives a crap? I had a blast. That's just me. I'm having fun. Yeah, That's how I so surf. Much That's fun. the thing. People trying to surf shame. Like I get, you know, people try to surf shame me semi-regularly. Like you fucking kook, you can't even surf. Uh, like somebody put it on, I think a beach grid or Instagram or something comment like, Oh, you know, I've seen you at D street. You're awful. Uh, kind of thing. Or I'm like, yeah, totally. I mean, completely. Awful at what? Yeah. Like, like I, having fun. Yeah. Like in the ocean. Funny like, that, that whole damn thing that the best surfer in the water is the one having the most fun. I've always hated it because no, the best surfer in the water is the best surfer in the water, yeah. but I'm starting to come around to, you know, to, no, I'm not the best surfer in the water full stop, but I am having a lot of fun. And that uh, always having a lot of fun yeah. and God bless surfing. By the way, Mason Ho is having the most fun and is the best surfer in the water. water. Dude, yep. he has, he's smiling endlessly, boosting the most massive airs in that pool and just like so hyped. And then they were, so they did another private session yesterday morning when we were right before our private session. So we're getting in the water when they're getting out and they're just like, yeah, boys, have fun out there. And we're like so hyped because we saw everything they did. And then fell on my first wave. You know, like I'm so like, oh good. God, Mason was watching. Oh, the, but the who hose, cares? The, the hoes are a gift. Yeah. Are a, yeah. that's, they're a crown jewel in surfing's yeah. pantheon. All right. Well, hey, great to have you back. Beachgrit.com, of course. And I can't wait. We're going to be on it now. We got a next week, less than a week, six I'll days. See, I'll see you in Lamar. Until then... Be barrel, be crouchy.